Are you the, at Kenny Rogers now? Or no, that's your... No, that's your... <laughs> no, no, no. It's just my display name. It's still at Ken State Bar, but... Is Rogers no your dog. middle name? Sorry, I don't even know. No, the, you don't know who Kenny Rogers is? The no. gambler? No. What? I'm, I'm a deer in headlights, buddy. I'm a deer God. in headlights. Anyways, Kenny Rogers, very infamous country singer. And also just what the O-Dog has deemed my nickname. He just keeps calling me Kenny Rogers or referring to me in the third person as the gambler. So O-Dog. He was roasting me the other day on Overdrive on, uh, on Labor Day because I shot him a text message during the show. No way. I have to say something. Kenny Rogers, I know you can hear this right now. Don't ever text me on my personal phone. He just texted me and said, I'm doing updates, guy. <laughs> I love it. Good man, Kenny. He's no, in there Kenny. working. <laughs> <laughs> but he was roasting me on air, man. I was at work doing the updates, and he was saying that I got the day off, so I had to defend my honor. Not Another Leafs podcast. New episodes Mondays on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to New York. State of, State of Mind, Mind podcast. podcast brought to brought you to by, you the, by hockey the Hockey Podcast, podcast. Now, here's, now your here's your host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to take a listen to this episode. We continue to move on here. Uh, I'm recording this actually on Saturday, September 19th, and just less than about three weeks away, we will actually have the NHL Draft. Yes, so for Devils fans out there listening to this, we finally are going to get some really big action. Obviously, it looks like from what Commissioner Gary Bettman said earlier today that most likely the NHL season for next year, 2020-21, we will probably not start until around late December, possibly early January of 2021. So obviously, that's not what we want to hear, but it's just how things are going in this day and age. And because of the fact that we're still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, we have, to, uh, we have to accept these things and adapt to them as best as we can. Nonetheless, nonetheless, we have an action-packed episode for you here today. We're going to go over a couple of rumors slash, you know, big news stories that involve the Devils that come from some pretty reliable sources, in my opinion, and we'll kind of discuss them a little bit. We're also going to be answering some questions that you guys on the Devils Twitter at Devils State of Mind podcast uh, decided to you know tweet at me and answer. I put out uh, pretty much earlier today. I said, you know, you guys have any questions? And some of you actually did send me some questions. So I'm going to answer them and kind of go 
from there. And lastly, we are going to preview the Stanley Cup playoffs as now we are down to the final two teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. I'll predict who wins the cup, how many games, and who is going to be my cons, my winner. So without further ado, let's drop the puck. So we'll kick things off with talking about the news and notes slash rumor report here for this episode. And the first rumor slash report that I saw came from a, a, a one of the, I would say, one of the most reliable sources, because even though he's not verified, and a lot of people always want to speculate to say, well, how much does this person really know? This guy has a pretty good track record of, of getting really solid information. And it actually is from Puck Report NHL. He's on Twitter at Puck Report NHL. He's also on Instagram at Puck Report NHL. And he got this source from Q Stan slash Pierre Lebrun that talks about Kyle Palmieri. And it says, there has been some dialogue between the New Jersey Devils and Kyle Palmieri on how an extension may look like. Asking price in a trade is really high. So we'll kind of jump into both parts of this. So the first part is about an, what an extension may look like. Well, obviously, you're going to talk about that because the salary cap is not going up at all because of the fact that a lot of teams lost a good amount of money during the COVID-19 pandemic. They were able to gain some back because of TV revenue. But as far as not having you know, fans in the stands you know, and getting concessions and things like that, it made it more difficult for some teams to, to make money. Also, you had teams that just weren't in the Final 24 that have not been playing since March. You know, the Devils being one of them. So an extension is going to be interesting because it may not be necessarily an extension, in my opinion. It might be a two-year bridge deal, kind of similar to what Patrick Laine of the Winnipeg Jets got prior to last the start of this past year, where he got a two-year bridge deal, and then they'll revisit it. I wouldn't be that surprised if the Devils signed him to a two-year extension and just kind of said, look, Let's give you two extension. Let's play it out. Let's wait till the salary cap is able to go up again. And then we'll kind of revisit this again. Now, Kyle Palmieri and his agent might not be so high on that because for all we know, Palmieri's skills might start to really decline from now until that point, And then he won't be able to make as much. A lot of times players just want to maximize on how much money they can make right when they're playing in the prime of their career. And I think it is fair to say that Paul Mary is pretty much right now in the heat of the prime of his career. And he's probably got another three or four really good years left in him. So it's a question of, does Kyle Paul Mary want to stay in New Jersey? Does he want to, you know, help the rebuild so that by the time we get good, you know, he can still be a part of the team? I don't really know. From what I've heard from Paul Mary, and I haven't had a chance to hear him speak that often during this offseason, he has expressed to an extent that he would like to stay in New Jersey. He is a, a hometown kid. He's from New Jersey originally, and he would like to stay here and try to help the younger players and, and try to be part of the solution. And I respect that from him because you got, you got to go back to this past trade deadline, you know, this, this past one that we just had. And somebody asked Tom Fitzgerald after the trade deadline, why did you not trade Kyle Palmieri? And he said, why would I want to trade a 30-goal score? And I agree with that because you just don't get that many on a team. Yeah, there's times where you may get one or two guys that can put score 30, 40, you know, sometimes 50 goals a, a season. But it's very hard to get a guy, you know, just one guy to have as a 30-goal score. And Kyle Palmieri has been very, very consistent since he came to New Jersey. We have to remember, 
when the Devils acquired him, he was a fourth liner on the Anaheim Ducks, who was part of the second power play. So he really didn't have a lot going for him when he came to New Jersey. Not much high expectations, but it was one of the best moves that Ray Shiro and also Lou Lamorello, who was kind of towards the end of his tenure with the Devils at that time, that was the best move that they've made in the last five years, other than obviously acquiring Taylor Hall. Because Kyle Palmieri has constantly been a reliable player on the first line, really producing goals and being a leader. I wouldn't be surprised if they would consider, if they kept Paul Mary long-term, that they would make him a possible captain for two or three years. I wouldn't mind it. I think a lot of Devils fans would probably be okay with it, considering that he's one of the guys that really does a good job of just being a consummate leader, a consummate pro, and he carries himself very well both on and off the ice. So I think that would be a good guy to have. And from what someone like P.K. Subban pointed out is that the Devils have a very, very solid locker room. Like they really seem to gel together. And this is talking from the team that they have right now, because obviously it's going to change even this year and definitely in the future. But it is nice to hear that it seems like the locker room vibe is, is pretty good. And I think Palmieri is probably a big part of that. So with regards to, do I think the Devils should keep Kyle Palmieri? I've said this before on Twitter at Devil State, you know, the, the Devil State of Mind podcast, Twitter account. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Kyle Palmieri should definitely stay long-term. I don't think that there is a deal out there that's going to be worth acquiring someone like that. Now, if the Devils are able to get maybe two or dare I even say three, you know, high picks for a guy like him, then you really would have to consider it, you know, obviously because the Devils are in a rebuild. We don't really know 100% how long this, this rebuild that we're beginning is going to be. We really don't know hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, we don't want to go down the same road that we just went down the last four or five years. But nonetheless, I don't think there's going to be a deal out there that is really going to blow the Devils away. I think it's fair, and I'm sure Kyle Palmieri understands it because it's the business of hockey. I'm sure it is fair that the Devils are looking around, listening to offers, seeing what's out there. And then they probably go back to Palmieri and say, okay, look, this is how teams value you, and this is how we value you. And most likely, I think Paul Mary is probably going to get more money from the Devils than he would somewhere else. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this next season, so after the 2020-21 season. So the Devils and Paul Mary could just decide, why don't we revisit this after next season? Let me just play this year out and go from there. The only issue with that is the same issue you had with Taylor Hall just this past year. He's coming into the last year of his contract. We're all talking about trying to re-sign him before the season even started, trying to extend him. And they wanted to play it out and see where it goes. And the Devils kind of felt the pressure of, well, we're not going to be going anywhere. And it doesn't look like Paul, you know, Hall wants to stay here. So let's just try to trade him. I don't know. I don't think Paul Mary has the same type of agent or the same type of attitude towards that. But at the same time, if we get to the trade deadline in 2021 and the Devils are still not where they need to be, they're not in playoff contention, they're kind of selling off their their ass, you know, not their um, their expiring contracts and everything. You know, they may really have to consider that. Even if Paul Mary doesn't want to, they may have to consider it just for the, the betterment of their own team. Um, so I think if an extension is going to happen, it's probably going to happen prior to the beginning of this year. I don't think the Devils would try to just say, "Oh, let's wait till the end of next year," because we don't know where the Devils are going to be this next season. We just don't know. We honestly and truly do not know 
what we are going to see. So I think that it's important to, if you want to really get an extension done, that you get it done before this season. Because even though we are obviously dealing with the fact that there is, you know, there is not a lot of money coming in and the salary cap is staying where it is, the Devils have either the most or the second most salary cap of any team. And they still have to also re-sign their RFAs in Jesper Bratt and Mackenzie Blackwood, which I think within the next you know, couple of weeks is probably going to happen. I think it'll happen before the start of free agency, but I could be wrong. But I know that probably they are going to get re-signed. I would be surprised if one of them wasn't re-signed before the start of free agency. That would kind of get me a little bit nervous to say, why is it taking this long? But I think when it comes to a Kyle Palmieri extension, I think it, it also would – it wouldn't necessarily come – it doesn't have to come before the start of free agency. It could come during training camp. They could just announce it right then and there. I've seen it before. So let's just see how this plays out. But I think bottom line for me, I would personally want to keep Kyle Palmieri long-term. It sounds like he wants to stay here. It sounds like he wants to help be part of, you know, the, the, the process of getting better and eventually becoming a playoff and then also Stanley Cup contender. And I like that. And if he continues to produce – 25 to 30 goals a season, I'm all for it. There's no way that he's probably going to be dropped to a second line unless we get a top six forward that's really, really going to, you know, blow us away. And I want to get into something that involves, you know, that type of talking uh, in just a minute that also comes from Puck Report. But the bottom line with the Kyle Palmieri situation, I think this is going to be a let's see what happens type of situation. I think that Palmieri may want to wait to see what other moves the Devils make and then go talk about an extension. Because I think the Devils would like to try to add some pieces before they really start extending guys. But I think that I wouldn't be surprised if an extension happened prior to the beginning of this year. But if it doesn't happen, they'll probably try their best to either trade him at the deadline, depending on how things go, or you know, re-sign him to a more you know, team-friendly deal. It all just depends on what Kyle Palmieri feels like he deserves, what his agent wants to get, and what the Devils can agree on. So let's kind of keep it at that. But as always, let me know what you guys think um, at Devil State on Twitter, at Devil State of Mind on Instagram, and everything like that. Also on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, and my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. So the next thing that I wanted to discuss is another report that came out from NHL News at Puck Report NHL on Twitter. And it comes from this. And, and this really, I think, surprised a lot of Devils fans. It really kind of got a lot of us excited. And I did also retweet this uh, with my own opinion on it. And it reads, New Jersey Devils Assistant General Manager, Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations, Dan McKinnon, says their aim is to add two defenders, a top six forward, and a third line winger notes that the forwards could come from trades. So let's kind of evaluate this. First of all, this is from the assistant general manager, who I'll be honest with you, I didn't know who the assistant general manager was until I saw this tweet. So, so that was the first thing that, that caught my eye. I said, okay, now I know who the assistant GM is. Because I, I actually thought it was still Marty Brodeur, but I, I guess it's not. Uh, nonetheless, so that was the first thing. The next thing is simply that you look at this, and the first thing is add two defenders. Well, I think most likely when it comes to the defense, at least for this year, we're probably going to be bringing up one, maybe two of our prospect defensemen. Ty Smith, I think, is definitely the guy that's going to make this team coming out of training camp. 
he nearly he's nearly made it the last two years. So there is a really good chance that third time's the charm. The Devils are going to give him a spot. And the Devils do have a good amount of spots on their defense for him to come into. Another guy that maybe could come in is possibly like Kevin Ball, who is, you know, obviously just like Ty Smith, has yet to play an NHL game. And we don't know exactly what to expect. I think he'll get an opportunity in training camp to, you know, to pretty much prove himself and to go from there. So I think with regards to the defense, if the Devils were to make a move, they'll probably sign a bottom four defenseman, you know, in the free agent market, a veteran guy, a guy for maybe a year or two. Uh, it's not going to be you know, Alex Petrangelo, who we just found out that talks between the Blues and Petrangelo have pretty much soured. And now they told him, the Blues told him to go and test for agency. And I want to put this out here because I want everyone to understand. There is less than 1% chance the Devils are going to go after Alex Petrangelo. He's asking for a lot of money. He wanted nine, almost $10 million from the Blues. There's no way he's just going to go take a, a shorter money, shorter term deal from someone like the Devils who are much further away from being a Stanley Cup contender. It, it just doesn't make sense. So let's get that out of our minds, you know, right now. So we're not even going to bring that up because it's just, um, obviously we'd love it because of how good of a defenseman he is, but he's also, you know, now into his thirties and how many more good years does he really have left? And, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the type of questions you have to ask yourself. But, yeah, less than 1% chance that Alex Petrenzo would be a New Jersey Devil when free agency begins. So forget about that. But with regards to the defense, it's probably going to be one or two of the young defensemen in our system that we have or probably a young defenseman in our system and also a veteran defenseman. I don't know. We'll see. I think from that standpoint, it, it's anybody's guess. I don't think we're going to go after anybody crazy. The only defenseman that I think would be worth kicking the tires for and seeing what we could get, you know, what we'd have to give up to get him is Shane Goss to spare from the Flyers, which I know Devils fans. Devils don't make trades within their division, and especially with rivals like the Philadelphia Flyers. But if there's a deal where the Devils don't have to give up too much for him and it works out, I'd be okay with it. Because Shane Goss to spare, even though he was benched as a healthy scratch, you know, several times in these playoffs, for the Flyers, I still think he's a very, very good defenseman. And I think he could help. I think he, in a way, is talent is more talented than the majority of our defensemen. Then again, I think there's a lot of defensemen out there that are more talented than what we have. But nonetheless, I think that he would be definitely a guy that I could see the Devils trying to go after uh, if they want to try to go for a trade. But it doesn't seem like that's really the plan that the Devils want to go forward with. Now, Let's talk about the other two parts. And I think the next part is probably the one that really kind of excites Devils fans and really intrigues us is a top six forward. Okay. Well, first of all, I think the Devils want to find somebody that can help Jack Hughes. Because I don't think Nico is going to drop to the second line. I think Nico has cemented himself as the number one centerman on this team. I don't think that's going to change unless something drastic happens, which I doubt. And I know that Nico's point totals have been dropping every single year, but it's not entirely his fault. Injuries, a shortened season, your coach gets fired, all these things. There's so many things that have interfered with him growing as a player that you can't really put all the blame on him 100%. But I don't think Nico Heeshear will be moved at all. So I think when it comes to a top six forward, it's more going to be 
it's more likely going to be somebody that's going to play on the side of Jack Hughes. Now, the forwards that we have on the top six, and I may not get everybody cor correct, but we do have Jesper Bratt, who we still need to re-sign, who, who is an RFA. You have Nico Gishier. You have Kyle Palmieri. For the most part, that's pretty much the first line right there. Then on the second line, you have Nikita Gusev. You do have Jack Hughes. And then it just kind of – we don't really know. So I think really when you look at it, you kind of have to sit there and say, I think there's a good chance that the Devils would try to find a top six forward that could fit on that second line. And I don't know. Or maybe a top six forward that could jump on the first line and then you move someone like Brad or Palmieri down to the second line. I don't know. I don't think Palmieri is a guy that they're going to move. I think Nico and Palmieri are the two guys that I wouldn't see really move from that top line. But it all just depends on how the coach feels and how everything's going. A lot can change between now and when the season actually gets underway. But I'm not really going to go into who I think the Devils are looking at because we really don't know. And I've already had an episode here on the Devils State of Mind podcast about guys that I think the Devils could go after that I think could benefit. I've mentioned it before. Guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Datinov. I've mentioned a bunch of these guys. And if you haven't listened to the episode, go back, find Devil's State of Mind wherever you listen to podcasts, and just go back to the episode and you'll listen to it. Because here it's just kind of like, well, they say a top six forward. Well, who do they consider a top six forward? Is it somebody that everybody says is, or is it somebody that they look at and say, we believe he is a top six forward? I don't know. I really honestly and truly don't know. The other, the other forward position is a third line winger. Okay, so that's probably the one that doesn't excite Devils fans as much because, as we know, when you're on the bottom six, you're usually not a big-name player and you don't, you know, you are considered to be not much of a big-time point getter. But I could, you know, obviously things, you know, tend to, tend to change. And if you develop good chemistry, you know, it could benefit you in many different ways. So with regards to the third-line winger, that's probably somebody that I could see the Devils trying to get either trade or free agency. I think with the top six forward, it's definitely going to be a trade. But for the third line winger, it's going to more likely be probably somebody in free agency. And I don't really know who exactly that is. But what I like seeing from this, and then I did obviously get more confirmation that this is what uh, Dan McKinnon you know, actually said, is that the Devils are clearly showing that they are willing to go out and acquire some really good talent to help blend in with everyone else. Remember, Tom Fitzgerald made it clear that he wanted to build his team around the young players that we have. He mentioned Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshear, Mackenzie Blackwood, Jesper Bratt, Pavel Zaka, Nikita Gusev to a lesser extent, guys like that. So if there are players out there that the Devils could get for 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 either a relatively good price or a cheap deal, the Devils are probably going to make a move. Because again, we have a huge amount of cap space. And it might change depending on what type of deals we, we get with Mackenzie Blackwood and Jesper Brett. Because they're probably the most important guys to focus on to start. And again, I think with regards to free agency and everything, the Devils will probably try to get both of them to resign before that. So then they can kind of jump into that point and not have to think about those things. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. So with this, it does excite me. It does interest me. And what it does show me is that the Devils are going to be busy this offseason. 
They haven't been busy right now, and that's okay, because we've seen other teams like the Penguins and the Maple Leafs and the, the Sabres and the Wild. They've made moves. The Devils may have tried to make moves, and it, didn't, it wasn't going to work out for them. We already know from Pierre Lebrun that the Devils were interested, very interested, in acquiring Kasperi Kapanen from Toronto, but the asking price was too much. So that's, that's what it is. Then we're also hearing from Winnipeg that the asking prices for Patrick Laine and or Nikolai Ellers is absurd. And so I'm sure the Devils probably kicked the tires on that, and they probably heard the price. They were like, get out of here. Like, we're not – come on. Like, let's be realistic here. And so that's – so, again, and I mentioned this before, that just because the Devils aren't mentioned in a rumor or anything doesn't mean that they haven't been trying to make moves. They probably have tried to make – a handful of moves that we will never know about. So let's give Fitzgerald the benefit of the doubt. Let's give him an opportunity. He's impressed a lot of us already, and I have full confidence in him. So let's just see how this works. But the bottom line with this, this is a very interesting report that comes out. And this really gets me to be very optimistic, somewhat excited, and super interested to see what the Devils will do with regards to filling these spots. The next bit of I guess you would say rumors, something the Devils were talked about in a rumor, uh, was one from Bleach Report, and it came out two days ago. And the thing that was really interesting about this is that it, it really strangely makes sense, but what people would be saying that the Devils have to give up to get this guy is absolutely ridiculous. And so this article comes from Bleach Report, and it was an article that talked about the top five teams that would be the best fits for Jack Geichel. Now, Jack Geichel is obviously a guy who's, a, you know, one of the up-and-coming stars in our league. He was drafted second overall behind uh, Connor McDavid in his draft. And he has been tremendous since he got to Buffalo. The rest of the team, not so much. And Jack Geichel this past year showed his frustration for the fact that the Sabres haven't made the playoffs and at times not gotten even close to making the playoffs since he got to the NHL. And so some people are speculating that Jack Eichel wants out of Buffalo. Now, unfortunately for Jack Eichel, and unfortunately, especially for the Buffalo Sabres, is that he has something like 10 million, he has something like 10 million per year on his contract that he signed with the Sabres. So that's a lot of money for one guy. And the Devils were put into this article as one of the teams that Pete, that this guy considered to be a fit for them. So I'm going to read you what it says from the Devils' perspective, and then we'll evaluate it. So here's the first part of it, because he has a section called the fit, and then he has a section called the package, basically what the Devils would have to give up to acquire this player. So let's start with the fit. The New Jersey Devils are a rebuilding club lacking a superstar in his prime to build around. Yeah, to an extent, I agree with that. Defenseman P.K. Subban struggled during his first season with the Devils and isn't the elite blue liner he once was. I want to see how he starts this year before I make that evaluation, but I can understand people's, you know, uh, feelings towards that. Eichel would bring the Devils an instant franchise player. Well, I mean, we, we have Nico and, and Jack Hughes, but I guess when you look at those two guys and you compare them to Jack Eichel, I could see what they're saying. His best seasons remain ahead of him, and he could help bring them instant credibility. Yeah, to an extent, I'm with that. 
The Devils are also under new management. Tom Fitzgerald took over as interim general manager in January and became their full-time GM on July 9th. His ability to stabilize the organization and his shrewd deals at the trade deadline were among the reasons cited by Devils managing partners Josh Harris and David Blitzer for keeping him in that role. And also, just so that you Devils fans know, uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer did not win the bid to become the new owners of the New York Mets. It actually ended up being Steve Cohen. So Harris and Blitzer still own both the Devils and the 76ers, which is actually fine. Uh, like, you know, let's not have too many because otherwise the attention, you start to lose more and more attention to, to one specific team that I care about. Nonetheless, Fitzgerald could put an immediate stamp on the Devils by acquiring Eichel. His club carries three first-round picks to draw upon for trade bait. With $55.2 million invested in 13 players for the upcoming 2020-21 season, the Devils general manager has the salary cap space to absorb Eichel's $10 million cap in. So with regards to affording Jack Eichel to have him come to the team and immediately put him on the books, no problem. Really no problem at all. So that, that right there is not an issue. Out of all the teams that they mentioned on here, we're, the Devils are definitely the team that would have no issue with regards to can they afford him. Absolutely. The Sabres wouldn't have to take up some of the salary for Jack Eichel to make this work. They could just completely give all that money, you know, all that paying you know, of the money to Jack Eichel to the Devils. Now, here's the package. And to be honest with you, Devils fans, you may, have, you may click off of this episode after hearing this, so I apologize. But the package. Nico Heischer would have to be the centerpiece of the return to the Sabres. The 21-year-old center was the first overall pick in the 2017 draft. He netted 52 points in 82 games as a rookie in 17-18. Injuries limited him to 47 points in 69 games in his sophomore season and 36 points in 58 games this season. Nevertheless, he can handle the pressure of a first-line center role and will continue to improve. That, that is a very fair evaluation of Nico Heischer, and I agree. The Sabres could also ask for promising Jack Hughes as part of the deal. Really? So you mean to tell me that the Devils would have to give up two guys that they got first overall picks that they want to build around for one sentiment? I mean, we're weakening our center core right there, right there by doing that. But Fitzgerald probably won't give up two young centers, obviously. There's no way he's going to do that. However, he could draw upon those three first-round picks in this year's draft, one of which is seventh overall. That pick would have to be included. Yeah, I mean, for a player of Jack Eichel's talent, it probably would have to be the seventh overall pick. There isn't that many guys in NHL right now that would be worth giving up the seventh overall pick because we've talked about before giving up either the Arizona pick or the Vancouver pick in a trade, but we didn't really think that there was anyone out there. I mean, Jack Eichel could be one of those guys that would be worth giving up the seventh overall pick for. At least one prospect could also be part of the asking price Given the Sabres' need for scoring depth, they could also ask for left-wing Nolan Foote, who the Devils acquired in the trade for, for Blake Coleman, or forward Yanni Kwokinen, who the Devils acquired in the trade for Sammy Vatanen. So, with regards to the fit, I get it. Makes a lot of sense. He's a star. He's an up-and-coming star in the NHL, and he would definitely give us some more credibility as a franchise and, and gain some, some more attention. As far as the package, no. I don't, this is ridiculous. And several of you guys on Twitter did comment on this. And I asked you guys, and you know, 
one of my one of my good friends who I had on the podcast a while ago, Jersey Joe, said he's against that. He's against it too. Uh, Dave Brown at Brownie NJD82 said to me, "It's just not a position of need given Nico and Hughes with Zajac and Zaka." Focus on supporting Nico and Hughes with good wingers along with defense. Getting Eichel is a luxury, not necessarily a need. I'm with you 100% on that. And also, Joseph Brown at JTB891. It's no for me too. So much to give up just to acquire Jack Eichel. And I responded to him by saying, yeah, rather keep what we have. Develop them more and take advantage of other teams with young talent and acquire them for much less. And then he responded to that. To which then I replied to him just, you know, 20 minutes ago. He said, and also aren't the Sabres paying him $10 million per year, question mark? If I were the Devils, I would steer clear of that contract. And I said, agree. I mean, that's, first of all, we're already giving somebody $9 plus million, P.K. Subban. If we're giving, if we're acquiring Jack Eichel, we have two guys that take up $19 million right away of a salary cap. That's, that's a lot of money even though the Devils have a lot of cap space. But we have to look at this team and evaluate this team the way Fitzgerald has described it. He doesn't believe the Devils are that close to being a Stanley Cup contender. Agreed. We're all on that point. We're all agreed that we're in a rebuild. He wants to build this team around Jack Hughes, Nico Heashier, and all the young guys that I mentioned before. Why would he go against that to acquire someone like this? It just, it just doesn't work. It's not going to work. Unless you're going to give up two or even all three of your first-round picks to get them. It's just, there is no way I could see the Devils making a deal that would benefit them. That we could say, they got the better end of that deal. There's no way. If you're really trying to rebuild, you might as well just keep the picks that you have and go from there. I think that the Devils will definitely look to see if they could move one of those two later first-round picks to see if they can get somebody. Because remember, we were talking about earlier about the Devils are looking to try to get a top six forward, a third-line winger, and, you know, defense as well. They could find one of those, you know, pieces that they're looking for in a trade that would require one of those two other first-round picks, and they may move it. And Fitzgerald did say right after the draft lottery that there was a good chance he might move one of those two picks. So we'll see what happens. And that, and that could be a possibility. But the bottom line with the Jack Eichel situation, guys, it get, just like Petrangelo, let's just get that out of our mind. It's not going to happen. It, $10 million is way too much for one guy, even though he's that good. And to give up two guys that you said you wanted to build your team around and you just drafted and they haven't even fully developed yet, it's, it's not a good look. And it, it, I think it, it would do more harm than good to the Devils if you were to do that. So I think the Devils need to just keep what they have and roll on from there. So let me, as always, let me know what you guys think of this. But in my opinion, this is a no from me. So the last rumor slash report that I wanted to discuss here for this part of the podcast, uh, and this one involves the Devils, and it comes from Ray Ferraro of, of Sportsnet, who says, Devils defenseman Damon Severson has, quote, soured, end quote, in New Jersey could be a potential option for the Canucks. Now, first of all, Sportsnet is based in Canada, and they're going to talk about those Canadian franchises and everything. I don't know how much Ray Ferrell actually knows about the situation. Um, it could be very well true. It, it, it seems that way, and I, and I wonder to myself, are Devils fans feeling the same way? 
about it. I mean, first of all, I think with regards to our overall defense, he's probably our best defenseman right now. Let's just be honest here. And that's not saying very much, but again, Damon Severson is our best defenseman. And that's just, that's just the reality of the situation. If, this is, if, if, this, if all of this reporting is true, then I think the Devils would definitely try to use him in a deal to try to acquire a top six forward. So if you really want me to ask you, if you really want to ask me and you want me to give you an answer as to who could the Devils try to acquire as a top six forward, adding someone like Damon Severson, I, I know I've said this before and I sound like a broken record, but Patrick Line, I would say. Because Patrick Line, we said before, is a 40-plus goal scorer. And even though he doesn't play tremendous defense if you play if you set him up next to a more defensive you know defensive forward like someone like Nico Hishier then you know then it works out and I know that people are saying well why would we do that when we're we're trying to make our defense weaker in the extent you're making it weaker in the immediate but you're also giving more spots to the young defensemen that we have in our system I think it would give someone like Kevin Ball an even higher chance of making the team out of training camp I really do uh and that's the way I look at it right uh and we have a couple other guys that could definitely you know make some noise and also there could be somebody that we trade for or get in free agency that could help us as well but if Damon Severson has has pretty much you know been like I'm not really enjoying myself anymore in New Jersey and without really saying it would like to be moved considering that the Jets need a lot of defensive help and we're also hearing that the Jets are, are interested in shipping someone like Patrick Lina or even Nikolai Ellers. Because if, if we, we could get Ellers instead, that's still great. It's still going to benefit us, no doubt. If we could get one of those two guys, you know, giving up Damon Severson, giving up one of those two late first-round picks and maybe another player or two, I think it would work out for both sides. I really, really do. It would help, obviously, you know, the Jets and their defensive core it would help us you know be able to answer one of the things that we're looking for in this offseason and it would allow our young players to get more of an opportunity to play in the NHL this year develop and go from there so I think that that could be a possibility that's why it definitely interests me if this is true that Damon Severson has grown sour in New Jersey and, and I mean it's, it's understandable he's been around for a while and the team hasn't improved Damon Severson has not he had a lot of promise when he first came to the Devils, but he has, I just, I don't feel like he's progressed as much as I would have hoped. I was hoping that he could be, you know, definitely a, a really, really good defenseman, not a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. I mean, that would be great, but that was never my expectation. But he, it just, it just doesn't feel like he, he's, he can reach another level. It feels like where he is right now is about as high as he can go. That's my opinion. I'd obviously love to hear from you guys what you guys think about that but nonetheless it, it is it, it does seem like that Damon Severson may want to you know move on from New Jersey and if the Devils can make a deal work where they get someone like Patrick Laine or Nikolai Ellers or somebody like that for a guy like Damon Severson and something else that doesn't hurt the Devils I'm fine with it and I'm sure a lot of you guys would be fine too let's be honest a lot of you would probably be going nuts if the Devils gave up Damon Severson, maybe one of those two first-round picks, you know, another young prospect, possibly one of the lower-tier ones, and maybe another player for Patrick Laine. And then we, and then we sign him to a, a long-term deal. Because Laine is 22. He fits right into the, the age group of the, the main guys we're trying to build around. He would be perfect 
uh, same thing with Nikola Ehlers as well. So, you know, that would be something. So we'll see. Let's keep our eye on it. But it was something that I wanted to mention. Very interesting. And as always, let me know what you guys think of it. Do you buy it? Do you not buy it? Do you believe any of these things? What are your opinions on all that? Let me know. I mentioned it before, at Devil State on Twitter, at Devil State of Mind on Instagram, and also my personal Twitter, T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, and my personal Instagram, N-V-P-Q-B-11. Just, you know, follow me, message me on there. Let me know what you guys think. I'd love to hear from you guys. So the next thing that I wanted to do was answer some of your guys' questions. Uh, as I mentioned before, a couple days ago, I put out on Twitter a tweet that said, hey guys, tomorrow's recording day. Let me know if you guys have any questions or anything devils and hockey related that you want me to discuss. So we had two people that asked me uh, a question that I'm going to answer here. But before I do that, I wanted to send a personal congratulations and you know best of luck to Erica Wachter, who just about three weeks ago uh, officially got married. So congratulations to her. Uh, she has been a joy as being the pregame host for the Devils on MSG. Really enjoyed her personality, her enthusiasm. You know, and, and I had the chance to meet her in person. She's she's just as as wonderful off camera as she is, you know, on. And I really do appreciate her. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Devils fans out there, you know, really respect her and admire her. So congratulations to her, and we wish her nothing but the best in her marriage. So once again, a big congratulations there. But let's jump into the questions here. And the first one comes from the Bottom Line podcast at Bottom Line WMCX. And uh, fun fact, uh, that is one of the podcasts that I'm a co-host of uh, with my good friend, Jimmy Finizzi. And uh, I have an announcement to make with that podcast, and I'll mention it at the end here when I do my whole promoting uh, shtick, as I call it. But nonetheless, it comes from my good friend, Jimmy, who is a Rangers fan, but obviously he, he respects the Devils in many ways. So shout out. You're one of the few, Jimmy. Congratulations. Uh, he asked, what is the Devils' biggest need this offseason? That's a good question. It really is. Uh, and I think that if you asked every single Devils fan, I think there would be a lot of different answers. I really do. I think that a lot of different people see the team differently. It may not be a whole cohesive you know, agreement as to what, it, what is the number one thing. But if you were to ask me personally, what is the Devils' biggest need this offseason? Definitely need to sharpen up the defense. I think that whether it's, like we mentioned before, going out and signing someone in the free agent market, not named Alex Petrangelo, uh, trying to acquire a defenseman, like a guy I mentioned before, Shane Gostisbehere, or doing what I think probably makes the most sense out of everything, and that is allowing guys like Ty Smith and Kevin Ball to get an opportunity to make the big club this year, play the whole year, and develop. Because first of all, Lindy Ruff is now the head coach of the Devils. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be here. We don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to be here when the Devils get really good and we compete for a Stanley Cup. But nonetheless, he's here right now. And it would really benefit the young defensemen coming up in our system to learn from this guy right away, develop that culture, develop that understanding of the way he wants to play, and go from there. I would love to see the Devils have a good enough defense where they can be like the Dallas Stars are right now, where they bring the defense up and they're very aggressive in the offense, and go from there. I would love that. I would love that. And I think that that could be something that the Devils could base their, their how they want to build a defense on. Now, as far as the actual you know, job of a defenseman to play defense, you do need at least two, three guys that can legitimately play defense. 
The only guy I would say on the team last year that did that was probably Andy Green. Uh, and obviously we traded him to the New York Islanders. And so other than that, we really don't have uh, really a lot of defensive defensemen. But maybe guys, like I mentioned before, could come in and be those guys that we're looking for. But I think if we have a good blend of, of aggressiveness in the offensive zone with our defensemen as well as just, just some guys that can block a few more shots than we normally do, that could go a long way. But to answer that question fully, the devil's defense is the biggest need. I know people want to say, oh, we need to also focus on the backup goaltender. I just don't think that that's much of a, of a realistic possibility right now, considering how much we're paying Corey Schneider to be the backup, so to speak. And then obviously people want to say, well, we need to upgrade our forward position. I think that's the second biggest need. And I think from what we saw, which we talked about before with, with uh, assistant GM you know, McKinnon said, you know, I think that they're going to fill, fill that. But I think the goaltending position is going to be the least of their quote-unquote concern. You know, I know there's a lot of Devils fans out there that are concerned, but, you know, look, Corey played well towards the end of this past year. If he can, you know, go from that and continue to play that way, we have a solid backup for the next two years at least. Okay, so let's just, let's see how that plays out. But the defense is the biggest area that we need to work on. And I think the Devils are going to do the best that they can to upgrade it for the now and certainly in the future. So the other question comes from, again, one of my good buddies, Jersey Joe at Jersey Devil OG. He goes, do you have any big trade targets and your mock draft? Okay. So there are a lot of people uh, within the Devils community that are very big on being very detailed in their mock drafts. And, you know, who do they have us taking at seven, 18, 20, and then even in the next round? I am not as big into those things. Uh, that's not usually my area of expertise. But there are obviously guys that I've mentioned before that I would love to see the Devils get. And I did an episode already on this about the, the guys that I could see the Devils getting who I think would be really, really good to get. Um, and then also trade targets. Okay. So again, just like with the mock draft, I already did an episode on this. But I'll, I'll revisit it right here to kind of refresh your memory. So let's start with the, the mock draft. And I'm going to – I'm going to – quote unquote, dumb it down a little bit by going over some of the guys that I would like to see the Devils get and why I think it makes sense. Uh, the first guy is Alexander Holtz. Now, Holtz is somebody that I think that it could be 50-50 as to whether or not he'll be there at number seven. Uh, we've heard before that, you know, some people say there's no way he's getting out of the top five. That could be true. That could very well be true. Um, the Devils are in a very interesting position at seven because they can just, you know, let everything fly. They don't have to jump up at any, you know, to try to get somebody, unless there's somebody they really want to get and they're willing to make a move. Um, but I think Alexander Holtz could be arguably the best overall goal scorer in this draft, other than maybe someone like Marco Rossi. And he's, he's a little bit bigger. He's been playing against men for most of his career. So that kind of gives you that edge of maybe he's more NHL ready. I mean, this could be somebody that could jump into to the team right away after the draft. But even being drafted seven doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be with the big club right away. So let's keep it that. But Alexander Holtz would be somebody I would be very, very excited and very happy to see the Devils get. Um, you know, here's a little bit of an evaluation of Holtz. 18-year-old Holtz spent most of last season with Jigur Jigardens in Sweden's top professional league. He also helped his country win a bronze medal at the 2020 World Junior Hockey Championship. 
Holtz is considered a natural goal scorer with excellent offensive instincts. He can play either wing and can play a heavier game around the opposing net. The Devils need a reliable scorer to play alongside Heashier or Hughes. If you wanted to talk about getting a top six forward without trading for one, and Holtz is there, that might be the top six forward that you have playing next to Jack Hughes. That could very well be who we look for uh, in the coming years, and Holtz could prove a natural fit in New Jersey. Could, by the way, could. So that's somebody as well that I could see the, the, the Devils really, you know, thinking about going after. Uh, another guy is somebody that I mentioned before, Marco Rossi, who I think has the chance to be a guy that could be a 75 to 80 point getter per year because even though he's he's smaller in stature, he's still a, he has incredible speed. He could score a lot of goals, and also he's not afraid to bang the body and go into those dirty areas to get pucks. So he's just an all-around very good player. He also has the chance to be the highest Austrian player ever drafted in the NHL. So the Devils already made history by making Nico Kishier the first ever Swiss-born player to go number one overall. They could make more history of Marco Rossi's there, which I'm starting to hear is more and more of a possibility that he could be there at number seven. And I think the Devils in that position, they would look at it and say, he's the best player on the board and he's a young forward that we can develop in our system. Let's take Marco Rossi. And I think a lot of Devils fans would actually be pretty happy with that. I'm sure there's some other guys that I won't mention that Devils fans would like to see the Devils get. But, you know, a lot is going to happen between the first six picks. So let's just, let's just keep our eyes peeled for what is possible. Um, another guy is obviously Lucas Raymond from, you know, Frolanda. He is the guy, I think, from the offensive, you know, from the forward perspective. He is probably the most realistic player that I could see the Devils getting. I think Holtz and Rossi and Schnutzel, I think all those guys are going to be gone by the time we get to seven. And I think it's going to come down to either Jake Sanderson or Stutzel. I really do. Um, I know that obviously some people are like, well, what about Jack Quinn? I don't know. I really don't know if, if that's where the Devils may draft him. They may, he may be available at 18. I doubt it because it seems like to me he's a top 10 pick, but he could be there at 18. Or the Devils could move up back into the top 10 and get someone like that if it makes sense for them. But I think Lucas Raymond is the guy that makes the most sense when it comes to you looking at the constant, you know, boards, draft boards of teams. It kind of keeps going back to this kid. And, and I really do like this kid because, again, he's been playing against a lot of older players for most of his career. And he's a, he's a big player. Uh, he has a pretty big stature. And I think that's important. If you have a built body before you even play an NHL game and you're used to veteran players, you know, trying to, you know, give you your welcome to the league type of moment, Lucas Raymond could be a guy that could really just kind of, you know, take that and not be affected by it, continue to play. Again, another guy that could probably be the one that fits on that line with Jack Hughes. But those are the three guys I would say. Uh, as far as defensemen go, Jake Sanderson would be really the only one in my my mind that I think would be would be really good I think the Devils to get maybe not at seven but if they move back into the top 10 or even the top 15 that would be substantial but that would be with regards to my mock draft so to speak uh with regards to the other part of that Joe uh you asked about any big trade targets okay once again I will talk tell you guys I would say the three, maybe two guys that I could see the Devils, and I would like to see them try to go after if possible. Patrick Laine is number one. 
It's not going to change, and that's just how it is. It's not going to change. Patrick Line is number one. Nikola Ellers is definitely number two. So if you can make a move to get one of those two guys, that is awesome. I will totally take that. Um, the only other guy I, I would like to see the Devils maybe try to get is Matt Dumba. I know he's been thrown around with a lot of different rumors and things like that. And it all just depends on what Minnesota's looking for and how much it's going, you know, how much it's really, really going to hurt the Devils. Because Matt Dumba would certainly help our defense, no doubt. Um, and I look at it also from this perspective. The Devils have done a really good job of promoting social justice and being really, really, you know, on this, you know, and also promoting voting. They just, you know, created a, a voting part. Uh, the Prudential Center is going to be a, a voting poll, so that's great. And look, they play in a city that is predominantly black. They do. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And they are very big in the community. And PK Subban is a black hockey player, and he has really, really, you know, attracted a lot of, of, of black, of new black fans to come to hockey games. And I think that's great. And, you know, he's very big on social justice and, and Black Lives Matter and just, you know, equality. And Matt Dumba has done a tremendous job, you know, especially in the bubble. He's done a, done a phenomenal job. And I think it would be a good move for that reason as well. So that would be somebody that I could see the, the, the Devils going after. But from the hockey standpoint, it would depend on the price. What is Minnesota looking for? What is Billy Guerin looking for? I don't know. I really honestly and truly don't know what, what to expect from that. Uh, Minnesota's been very active with moving some of its older players. I know Miko Koibu is not returning to Minnesota. I am interested to see if he wants to continue to play. I don't think the Devils um, – the Devils would have loved to have gotten Miko Koibu maybe five or six years ago, but not now. I mean, he just – I don't know. If he would play on the bottom six, that's fine. But, you know, I would only bring him in to be a, a veteran leader, a guy – who could be a good voice in the locker room, which I think the Devils already have a good amount of guys anyway, but it doesn't hurt to have as much leadership as possible. But, but as far as the trade targets, yeah. You know, Patrick Laine, Nikola Ellers, and Matt Dumba. Now, it obviously changed because I did mention Johnny Goudreau in an earlier episode, but looking at it more and more, he doesn't fit the timeline of our team. He does have two years left in his contract, so we could have him for multiple years. But does he want to play for the Devils? I know he's from Jersey, but he grew up a Flyers fan, and he kind of seems like he'll eventually go play for the Flyers. You know, would he want to play for the Devils? Would, would the, you know, how much would the Devils have to give up? It, doesn't, it seems like they'd have to give up a good amount. It also seems now less and less that, he, that he's going to be moved. Uh, maybe Sean Monaghan, but, you know, I, I, Sean Monaghan doesn't, doesn't excite me. It doesn't it doesn't really seem like a guy that would fit into what we're doing. Because remember, we have all these young players that we're trying to develop together as, as a cohesive group. And that's why a guy like Patrick Lane, who's 22 years of age, makes sense because you're doing that. But I think if the Devils were to make a move for someone like Line, they would have to probably do it after they, you know, seal deals with Brett and Blackwood because, you know, then you got to see how much money you have. Then you got to evaluate it from there. Because, yeah, you could just have Line play out the last year of his deal. But I think – Whoever acquires Line A, if they end up trading for him, will do something what, like what um, John Gabriel Pajot did with, when he got traded to the Islanders. You know, right after he got traded, he signed that six-year extension. That could be the same thing the Devils could try to do with Line A. But 
it remains to be seen. We'll have to see what happens over that. But that's kind of my big trade targets and, you know, my semi-mock draft. But uh, as always, let me know what you guys think. What are your opinions? Would absolutely love to hear from you guys. And our last topic of this episode here of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is, of course, the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, we are finally down to the last two teams in the bubble for the end of the 1920 season. We are finally, we, we finally made it, ladies and gentlemen. And I have to say, a job well done by the NHL. Gary Bettman said that they've done something like, what, 300,000 or 30,000 tests since this started. and not a single positive case. That is, that is phenomenal. And I know that Bettman said that there is the possibility that they may try to do a bubble-like thing to start next season. And I think for some, some fans, it, it, it makes a lot of sense, and it's probably the best thing to do. We'll, we'll, see. we'll see what happens after the Stanley Cup finals and when they reevaluate this whole situation uh, within the next month or so, especially after the draft and then once free agency kind of comes and goes, basically. But nonetheless... We are into the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. So let's start with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations. You finally broke through. Now, obviously, you should have broke through at least two, maybe three more times since 2015 when you first got there. But the Lightning are not a wide-eyed young bunch like they were five years ago. No, this is a veteran team with a lot of speed, a huge amount of talent, and definitely going to be the favorites to go win this cup. You know, they were, they, they looked pretty solid in the round robin, you know, to start. And then when they got into the first round, of course, they had to face the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I won't lie, I did have the Blue Jackets beating them. But Lightning did not strike twice, you know, I know that, that was really, really bad. Uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, as the Lightning pretty much dominated the, the Columbus Blue Jackets in those five games, winning it five to move on to the second round. And obviously we had that five overtime game to start game one. And I think because the Lightning won that game and won it, you know, and, and took all the momentum, that's what won them that series. Then you go into the second round against the Boston Bruins. And even though the Bruins didn't have Tuka Rask, who went home to take care of his family, which I thought was the exact right thing to do, and I'm still 100% supportive, of Tuka Rask. The Bruins were still a very talented team, a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final the year before. Uh, and I believe I did have the Lightning winning that series in six. They ended up winning that series in five in pretty convincing fashion, once again clinching the series in overtime. That's a fun fact I don't think anybody knows, that they won their first two series, they finished their first two series with a win in overtime. Braden Point scored the game winner in game five against Columbus, and then Victor Hedman scored the game winner in game five against Boston. And then they waited about a week to face off against the upstart New York Islanders who were making a conference finals appearance for the first time since 1993. And it was a pretty competitive series. It got to the point where obviously it was three games to one in favor of Tampa. Then the Islanders won game five. And I started to think, uh-oh, don't tell me that the Lightning are starting to choke. And then you got to game, you got to game six a couple days ago, and it was a back and forth game you know the Islanders struck first and the Lightning quickly answered and then just like in game five neither team could score the rest of regulation the Lightning for the second straight game had a four-minute double minor and they had a chance to score a four-minute power play and they didn't and then Brock Nelson shorthanded had a chance to win the game 
and he got denied by Vasilevsky, who, out of all the goaltenders we've seen, and we've seen a lot of great performances, he's been the most consistent and very solid in net. Also because the Lightning have done a good job of not having him see too many shots, and that's great. That's really, really good. That's a job well done by John Cooper and his staff to develop a system that works like that. And then you go, and, you know, and, and obviously – then the Lightning eventually won in overtime. Anthony Cicerelli, who had gotten hurt earlier in game six, ended up winning the game in overtime. So in all three rounds leading up to the cup final, the Lightning finished it off in overtime. Will the Lightning do that in the Stanley Cup final? We shall see. But also real quick, as most of you know, Devils fans, the conference finals was between two former Devils who were traded at this past deadline, Blake Coleman for the Tampa Bay Lightning and Andy Green for the New York Islanders. And Andy Green was the one who took the second double minor in game number six. And I, and I tweeted out, did Andy Green, of all people, just end the series for the Islanders? And no, luckily it didn't. But nonetheless, they still ended up losing. Uh, congratulations to Blake Coleman, uh, who has done a phenomenal job uh, since he got to Tampa. He fits in so well in that third line with Barkley Goodrow and Yanni Gord. They've, done a tr- they've had just great chemistry from the start. And what every NHL fan is seeing right now is what Devils fans have seen the last two, three years with Blake Coleman, is that this guy is an all-around speed demon, tremendously talented, scores big-time goals, gives you a lot of energy. He's just an all-around great hockey player. And the Lightning are, are so happy that they made the deal to get him. He's done, a, he's done a great job, and I'm very happy that he gets a chance. And he's just four wins away from winning a Stanley Cup. And that's great. To go from one of the, and I hate saying it this way, one of the worst teams in the NHL to now on the, on the precipice of winning a Stanley Cup, I, that's a guy, Blake Coleman, that definitely deserves to, to do that. And for, as for Andy Green, if that was the last time we saw him play an NHL game, I want to say thank you so much for everything that you did. You know, obviously with the Devils, you know, eventually becoming the captain, being a consummate pro, being a tremendous, you know, ambassador to the game of hockey, especially in New Jersey. And uh, we wish you all the best in the future, whether it's continuing to play or if you do end up retiring, we shall see. But uh, tremendous job by you. And, I mean, shoot, man, you were two wins away from playing for the Cup. And that, that's, a, that's a really, really impressive job. And, and Andy Green definitely played very well for the Islanders, and I'm sure that they're definitely going to consider possibly bringing him back. But we, we shall see once the offseason really kind of gets underway. But – the Tampa Bay Lightning, for the second time in five, six years, are back in the Stanley Cup final. Now, as for the more surprising story, the Dallas Stars. Wow. I did not think that this was going to be the team, especially when the round robin was over. I did not think this was going to be the team that got to the Cup final. Uh, Eddie Olchek, on the other hand, uh, called it. I believe he said Temp- No, he said the Flyers versus Dallas, I believe, but he picked the Dallas Stars, and he was right, so good on you, Eddie. Well, well done, Uh, but the Dallas Stars came into this with one of the worst offenses in the NHL, and especially you saw it in the round robin, where they just were struggling to score right from the get-go. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, Radulov, Pavelski, everybody was struggling. Then, you had Ben Bishop get hurt once again, and Anton Hudobin had to carry the load. What happened after that was phenomenal. I mean, it really was. But their young players, especially their young defense, Gurianov, Haskinen, Klingberg, 
You know, guys like that stepped up big time. And Pavelski started to score a bunch. And it was just guys that you didn't really expect. It was just a cohesive group that just all came together and said, we all have to step up. And that's what they did. And they went down 3 nothing in, in one of the game in, in the clinching game. And they ended up coming back and blowing out the Flames in the last game 7-3. to 7-3. That, that, I mean, that's, that's incredible. You know, they, they were able to beat Calgary. Then they go up against the mighty, you know, up-and-coming Colorado Avalanche, who I think at that point, being in the Final Four, was probably the, the biggest favorite to go to the Cup Final. And it was a really surprising start to the series because the Stars went up three games to one. And we're like, wow, are they really just going to breeze past the Colorado Avalanche? Well, the Avalanche would not go down without a fight. And the thing that made it more impressive was that you looked at the fact they that lost they, Philip Grubauer and they also lost Fred So in that same series to the point where Michael Hutchinson had to come in. And he played very well. There is no question about it. But then you had the excitement of Game 7 where the teams went back and forth and it got to overtime and an unknown player by the name of Yoel Kiviranta, who's no longer an unknown player, scored not one, not two, but three goals in that game to get a hat trick and as well score the game winner in overtime to send the Stars to the conference finals. And then they faced off against another, another favorite to go to the cup final in the Western Conference in the Vegas Golden Knights, who were led by former Devils head coach Pete DeBoer. And just like against Colorado, the Stars were dominant throughout the first couple of games. Now, they weren't dominant in the sense of they were out shooting and out playing. They just scored more on their opportunities than the Golden Knights did. And Anton Hudobin just stood on his head. And you got to game five, and, you know, the, you, know you saw White Cloud take a bad penalty, and that gave the Stars a chance on the power play. And Gurionov with a great one T scores and sends the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Rick Bonus, I mean, I got to give him a lot of credit. He comes in as the interim head coach. I don't know if he's going to be back as the head coach. They haven't really made that decision yet. I think it might depend on what happens in this cup final, but you got to tip your cap to him. You got to, you know, bang your sticks. That tremendous job by him to get this Dallas Stars team all the way to the cup finals. So the Dallas Stars are the biggest story in the playoffs this year, and now they are just four wins away from winning the cup for the second time since, since, 1999, when they won in six games against the Buffalo Sabres. And it's the first time they've been in the finals since 2000, Devils fans, since Jason Arnott won it in game six in overtime to win the Devils their second cup in franchise history. That was the last time the Stars were in the cup final. But I saw a statistic that I thought was incredible. This Stanley Cup finals is being played in the furthest northern city in the NHL with the two most southern teams in Dallas and Tampa Bay. In only 2020, we would have this go on. So with that being said, Neil, who do you got in the series? You know, I've been going against Tampa for the most part for several years because they've choked. And they've shown a lot to me, that they have a lot of resilience. They're a much different team. They're a more battle-tested team. And you know what? I got to go with the Dallas Stars. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't. I just can't do it. They got to they gotta win the cup before I ever pick them to win anything after, you know, after this point. If they lose this series, I'm still going to pick against them because they haven't gotten over the hump. I think Dallas, the Dallas Stars have the juju, and when you have the juju going, 
there isn't much any other team can really do. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars, and I'm going to go with them winning in six. I think what you'll see is somewhat similar to what you've seen in other playoff rounds with Dallas. They might win the first two, three, you know, games. They might go up three games to one. They'll lose a game, and we'll think maybe, you know, the Stars' momentum is running out, and then they'll win in game six. Will they win in overtime? I don't know. Maybe. That'd be kind of cool. They've won their last two series in overtime. Both of these teams seem to be the best overtime teams in the NHL. I wouldn't be surprised if two, three, or even four of these games in this series went to overtime. I wouldn't be shocked if the series ended in an overtime game. So, you know, that's just the way I look at it. But the bottom line is, give me the Dallas Stars winning the Stanley Cup Finals in six games. With that being said, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. As always, thank you guys so very much for taking some time to listen to this episode. I always greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you want to check out more of the Devil's State of Mind podcast and all of the podcasts that we have on the Hockey Podcast Network, here's what you do. You go on your computer and you search hockeypodcastnetwork.org, and from there you can see all of the podcasts that we have, and you can listen to any of them. So you can check it out there and you'll see Double State of Mind and all the other team-based podcasts that we have. You can also just go wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever, and you just search Hockey Podcast Network or Double State of Mind Podcast. You can find the podcast that way. You can follow us on Twitter at Double State. You can follow us on Instagram at Double State of Mind. And also you can follow the Double State of Mind podcast Facebook page. On all of those, I'll post the link to the new episodes that we post every single Monday. And also in the bio of all of those social medias, you can click on and go to the website and then bookmark it for the Devil's State of Mind podcast, where there you can just immediately jump right into the new episodes that again, we post every single Monday on all podcast platforms. So please go check all those out. Not just check out this, uh, this podcast, even though I, I would love to get as many people on here as possible, but also just go check out all the podcasts that we have on the HPN. There's a lot of great hosts, a lot of great topics, so, so much, so many personalities. It's just been so much fun. Please go check it out. We, we would all greatly, greatly appreciate that you do so. So follow all those social medias. You can follow me on my personal social medias on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at N-V-P. QB 11. If you want to just listen to my voice more talking about, you know, things that are going on in sports, not just in hockey, you could follow the Mofobo Network podcast, which is available on Anchor and Spotify. Just search Mofobo Network or Neil Villapiano and you'll find it. We talk about all things that go on in the world of sports. New episodes come out every single Tuesday and Thursday. Again, it's available on Anchor and Spotify. We also have the Mofobo Network Presents YouTube page, where just like the podcast, we have a new episode that comes out every single Wednesday, where we talk about things that are going on in the world of sports. There's a lot of different topics that always come up. So please go check out both of those, and you can stay up to date with those on the Mofobo Network Facebook page, where you can see the new podcast episodes and also new YouTube videos. So please go check all those out. Again, Mofobo Network Podcast and Mofobo Network presents. You can also, like I mentioned earlier, you can also check me out on the Bottom Line Podcast, which I am one of the hosts of. The other host is my good friend, Jimmy 
Finizzi, and I wanted to make a quick statement about that. Uh, this upcoming week, so you're listening to this on Monday or at some point, hopefully in this week, we are actually recording episode number 200. Yes, it is the 200th episode of the Bottom Line Podcast. So make sure you check that out as well at Bottom Line WMCX on Twitter and also on Instagram as well. We have a YouTube channel, Bottom Line Podcast as well, where you can see the video versions of all the podcast episodes that we do. So please go check that out as well to listen to me and also my good friend, Jimmy Finizzi, as we talk about, just like I'm a Bobo, all things happening in the crazy world that is the wide world of sports. And last, but certainly, certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. And I'm sure a lot of you Devils fans are probably also Jets fans, and I'm sure the Jets are continuing to go off on a rousing start uh, to this 2020-21 season. But if you want to entertain yourself a little bit, please go check out my book, again, on Amazon and also Barnes & Noble for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you may guess why I chose that specific price. So if you're a Jets fan, football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, please, please go check that out and purchase once available for hardcover and ebook. I promise you, you will absolutely enjoy it. You really, really will. So please go check it out. Again, J-E-T-S, pain, pain, pain. So my name is Neil Villapiano. Thank you guys once again for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Please continue to be safe out there during this difficult time with the COVID-19 pandemic. There is, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. We are making progress, you know, little by little, which is great, but we still have a lot of work to do to flatten the curve as much as possible so that we can eventually find a vaccine. We're, we're getting closer and closer. It might not seem like it, but we are getting closer every single day. So continue to listen to your health officials, wear a mask, you know, wear gloves if, if you want to, you know, practice social distancing. And if you're, you're not feeling well, even just a little bit, make sure you just stay home, you know, monitor it, contact your health providers if you need to, and just try to remain as healthy as possible because we are, we are trying to stay healthy for as long as we can so we can eventually find a vaccine and be able to go out freely once again like we did not that long ago. But please continue to do all that. Shout out to all of those essential workers out there. You guys kick ass. You guys work hard every single day from nurses to doctors to people working grocery stores and basically anywhere where we need essentials. Just thank you guys for your constant work every single day because without it, we'd be in a much, much worse shape than we are right now. So thank you guys so much. Thank you also to everyone who listened today and rock on. Woo!